Well, welcome again to Freedom Church, Chester. Uh, We've been reading through the book of Mark, and we've had a series called Meet the King, and that is our desire today. Uh, We've met with him in worship. I hope you've felt that and known that as we worship together. Um, But we're going to meet him in his word, and uh, we're going to read from Mark chapter 6 in just a few minutes. I don't know if you like bread. Uh, who likes bread? Who, who's had bread today? Toast? Yeah. <laughs> Bagel? Donut? I suppose the sort of bread, isn't it? Um, some have had more bread than others, obviously. Um, but bread is a staple food uh, in our part of the world anyway. It's uh, probably the number one part of the diet for uh, uh, energy. Um, and uh, so it's, it's called a staple food. It's what everyone, you know, we have bread in so many different forms. Um, and it, it's a fundamental thing. In other parts of the world, uh, perhaps rice or uh, maize or potatoes or some form of vegetable or pulses. Uh, but for us, bread. So we can identify with what we're going to read uh, today. It's a very uh, famous part of the Bible, the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, it's a lot of people. We haven't quite got 5,000 here today, and uh, we seem to have a better starting point than they had. Um, but it, bread is a big theme in the Bible. It would be interesting if you uh, had a concordance or if you could go online or you could search it in software and find out how much bread is mentioned in the Bible. Uh, we even find it right at the beginning in uh, Genesis chapter 3. Uh, God says to Adam that it's by the sweat of his brow that he will eat bread. Um, and then, uh, interestingly, later on, we in- we're introduced to a guy called Abraham, who God calls out uh, and says, uh, come and go to a place uh, where I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to make you into a great nation. And uh, Abraham is met by a really strange guy called Melchizedek. And, and there we read about Melchizedek bringing bread and wine. Uh, we're going to drink bread and wine, or bread and fruit juice, uh, later. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it, that way back in Genesis, uh, there is this talk of bread and wine. And uh, Moses, uh, you, you've ever, if you've anywhere, anywhere near Wales when they're playing rugby, uh, you've heard bread of heaven. Yeah? Feed me now. All right, stop singing now. Um, but that, that's reference to uh, the bread that God gave uh, the children of Israel, as they were in the, in the desert, uh, they, they were given this special bread called manna, uh, bread from heaven. And, uh, of course, uh, one of the, the most famous bits of the Bible, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Give us this day our daily bread. Um, and, as I said, we're going to celebrate communion together at the end of this uh, before we eat our other food, uh, Christian food, that is quiche. Um, That's supposed to be funny. But interesting, isn't it, uh, that Jesus, uh, when he was tempted by the devil, quoted from the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3, and he said that man doesn't live by bread alone. 
He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so we're going to talk about the Bible just for a moment. Uh, The Bible. Um, Do you know what the word Bible means? It means it's a library. It's a collection of books. Not just one book, but 66 books. Uh, An Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament, 39 books. The New Testament, 27 books. And many of them mention bread. But... uh, The Apostle Paul said that the Bible is actually breathed out by God. And Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, said that people wrote these things down. They spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So um, when, when Jesus says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, we don't have to go very far. Uh, we have the Bible uh, to know what the Word of God is. And uh, if you're not that familiar with the Bible, and there is that division of the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was a guy called Augustine of Hippo. It's an unfortunate animal to be named after. Um, Augustine of Hippo uh, said a very famous phrase. He said, the new is in the old concealed and the old is in the new revealed. So as we read the Bible, we find that the two halves, the old and the new, are connected in in, uh, wonderful ways. And and I'm hoping that's what we're going to see as we we look together. And Jesus had a lot to say about the Bible too. And uh, I don't know what you think of Jesus, but he said some pretty remarkable things uh, on one one occasion he was walking on well two people were walking down the road and he joined them and started talking to them about himself although they didn't know it was him uh, who was talking to them they thought he'd died um, and he began to explain to them it says from all the scriptures what was written about himself uh, so Jesus says that the Bible is, is, is about... That's quite a big claim to make for yourself, unless it's true, isn't it? Anyone else making such a claim, we'd think they've got issues. <laughs> but Jesus says, no, the whole Bible is about me. And we've been singing about how amazing Jesus is uh, and about how we enjoy his presence. Well, isn't it a good idea then to, to turn to the Bible and to read what the Bible says about Jesus, if it's all about him. And of course, in in John's Gospel, uh, when we think about what the Bible says about bread, Jesus himself says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. So I just uh, want us to... um, pray as we're going to come in a moment to read God's word. Um, Jesus, we thank you for this time we have together as family. We thank you that we have food to eat together. We thank you that we've been able to uh, share some of that uh, fellowship together already as we've been singing about you and praying together. Uh, But we pray that you will come and be present like you were with those two on the road to Emmaus. Come and open up the Bible to us. Um, 
Give us today our daily bread. Help us to feast on you, Lord Jesus, as we read your word. Now, as we've been reading through Mark's gospel, uh, we've seen that Jesus is a preacher uh, of good news, that he's an amazing teacher, that he teaches like nobody else. He has this amazing authority, that uh, he's an astounding healer, There seems to be no disease that Jesus can't heal. Even diseases that our modern science can't deal with, Jesus can deal with those. He's a miracle maker. Um, Imagine that storm, that furious storm. All these sailors, they think they're going to die, and Jesus, with a word, just says, quiet, be still. Um, we've seen Jesus cast out demons, and not just you know people have a, a little bit troubled, but this this guy who's been in a graveyard and they've tried to tie him up, and he keeps escaping, and and at the end of his encounter with Jesus, two thousand pigs are drowned, and this man is sat and clothed in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. Um, we've seen Jesus raising the dead. And we've seen Jesus forgiving sins. And throughout Mark's gospel, people have said, we've never seen anything like this. Whenever Jesus did anything, it was extraordinary. We've never seen anything like this. And Jesus is followed by crowds. He's opposed by religious leaders. He's rejected by the people who knew him, the people from his hometown. And even his own family misunderstood him. And yet he's accompanied by a small hand-picked group of disciples. Disciples that Jesus, in in Mark chapter 6, sends out to proclaim the good news and to cast out demons. And uh, all this activity causes such a stir. Even the political leaders, even this guy Herod hears about it. And we hear last week, actually, uh, about what sort of stuff that Herod gets up to. But it's also, uh, when we read of the death of of John the Baptist last week, it's a reminder that the stuff that Jesus teaches is dangerous. It's dangerous to people who follow him. It's dangerous to those who want to proclaim him. So as we turn to Mark chapter 6, we have all that to think about, really. All that that's gone before. And what we're reading is the most subversive material on the planet. I don't know if you ever thought about it like that. But this this can turn the world upside down. Let's read from Mark chapter 6 verse 30. And it says Jesus feeds the 5000. The apostles returned to Jesus and told them all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. 
And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And when they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of, and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were about 5,000 men. This isn't just another miracle that's purpose in the Bible is to show us that Jesus is God. I hope by the end of this you'll realise that it does do that, but it's so much more. You must know this story very well if you've been coming to a church for any amount of time or been to Sunday school. It's one of those favourite stories. How Jesus takes five loaves and two fish and feeds 5,000 people. But it isn't just to show us that Jesus is God or that he knows how to feed people. And just just as a note, uh, the first thing that Jesus does for these people is teach them, what, many things. Um, Actually, the teaching of the people comes before the feeding, uh, which is rather like today. And uh, he taught them many things. Uh, before they ate, like today. Um, so don't, don't think, that, I mean, you can smell the food, um, but we've got many, many things to get through. Uh, it's, it's over the background there, but we have many things. Um, but I, I wonder if that's is how, how it is uh, with us sometimes, that there are other things we would rather be doing than learning many things about Jesus. That's a little bit of a challenge to us. Uh, I, I hope you're going to find this interesting and worth the wait. After all, we do have Christian food quiche to eat later. So what do we uh, learn about Jesus in this amazing story? Uh, The first thing I think we learn is that he is a compassionate leader. Uh, have you seen how um, they've, they've been very busy and, uh, and they're tired? And, and Jesus says, well, let's come away and let's have some rest. Uh, let's recuperate, have some R&R. Let's uh, recharge our batteries. Um, and, and he understands that his disciples are, are tired and, and he's tired. Um, so he's, he's, he's a leader, but he's a compassionate leader. He, he doesn't push people 
too hard. And yet, and yet, uh, his compassion doesn't seem to have limits either because although that was the plan, as so often happened, something else took place. These people saw where they were going and they followed and they got there ahead of them. And so all they had was that little time in the boat. And now they're confronted with a crowd of at least 5,000 people. And, and what does Jesus do? He says, no, I'm sorry, I, I, I have a diary. Uh, you're not scheduled until next week. We're doing R&R this week. Uh, come back next week. No, uh, Jesus sees these people and he has compassion for them as well. The word compassion is um, not just uh, he has a, a sort of warm feeling for them. It actually talks about his guts. He is sort of churned up in his stomach for the, the need of these people. He feels it. He is churned up when he sees all these people. And how does he describe them? He describes them as what? I don't know if you were going to choose an animal to describe yourself. You know, I'm Philip the bear, or uh, I know Andrew the lion, uh, Matthew the mountain. No, the um, I don't know. What do you think? The squid. Oh, Matthew the mouse. Matthew the mouse. I don't know what you would describe yourself as, but Jesus sees these people as sheep, sheep without a shepherd. Now, that's all very nice, um, and we could just pass over that, and we could move on to the interesting bit with the, the trick with the bread and the, and the fish. But that phrase... Sheep without a shepherd is actually very, very important in the Bible. And uh, so we're going to turn to Exodus. No, we're not. We're going to turn. You see, I'm trying to do this without notes. We're going to turn to Numbers chapter 27. And we're going to read about uh, these are the plans that are being made for when Moses, who'd been leading God's people and who'd given them manna in the desert, this is what happens when Moses is superseded. Um, and verse 15 Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God, of the spirits of all flesh appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them who shall lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep without a shepherd the next bit is also interesting so the Lord said to Moses take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom the Spirit is the Spirit, and lay your hands on him. Now, Moses says to God, 
if I'm going to leave, if, I'm, if my ministry is over soon, there needs to be somebody else. And he asked God, please raise up somebody else to look after these people so that they are not like sheep without a shepherd. And God says, yes, I'll do that. And his name will be Joshua. I don't know whether you knew this, but Joshua is the Hebrew form of the Greek name Jesus. Wow. The new, the new is in the old concealed. <laughs> and the old is in the new revealed. Uh, the Old Testament tells us something about the feeding of the 5,000. It tells us that Joshua will be the leader of the people so that they are not like sheep without a shepherd. And that's why Jesus has compassion for these people because he knows that is God's plan. And he is the new Joshua, Yeshua. He is Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. And the theme of sheep and shepherds is used throughout the Old Testament to describe the relationship of God to his people. Uh, And uh, let's think. In Ezekiel, um, a long time later, we read uh, what God thinks of of the, the people who he has given the job of looking after the people. And in chapter 34 of Ezekiel, God says this, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. That's interesting, isn't it? So the rulers of Israel were supposed to be shepherds, so that like... Like, like Joshua, so that the people would not be sheep without a shepherd. And yet by this time, when Ezekiel is prophesying, God is saying, these shepherds are not doing their job. Look at what it says, verse 7. Hear the word of the Lord, shepherds, as surely as I live, says the Lord, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there's no shepherd... And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed the sheep, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hands and and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. And then an amazing promise in verse 11, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and seek them out. And as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep, that they have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness and I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. God is saying the shepherds that I've given responsibility 
for looking after my people have not done their work. And instead of just uh, bringing new shepherds, he said, that's enough. I will come and I will shepherd the sheep myself. Now back to Mark chapter 6, what have we just seen? We've seen one of the rulers of, of Israel having a party. It's quite an amazing party. It's his birthday party. And at his birthday party, he gets um, his daughter-in-law to do a strip tease. Uh, they all get drunk. And at the end of the party, in a, he makes a drunk promise to this girl. And John the Baptist, the last Old Testament prophet, loses his head. Now, Herod is to be a shepherd of God's people. But instead, he's having a party and he's showing off to his friends and he's killing off God's word. And in that context, Jesus takes this large crowd and has compassion on them because they are like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus has his own party, he has his own feast. But what is he doing? He is saying, well, if we read John's Gospel, um, but we're trying not to do that because we're reading Mark's Gospel, at this point, Jesus would say, I am the good shepherd. But that's what Jesus is doing here in Mark chapter 6. He is saying, I am the good shepherd. You've seen what the kings of Israel are like. You've seen what sort of shepherds they are. You've seen what human rulers are like who are supposed to look after God's sheep. You've seen the sort of parties they have. But I have compassion. And enough is enough. And I am here. Now, we've already seen through Mark that no, in fact, Generally in the Gospels, you won't find anywhere where Jesus says outright, I am God. But we've already seen many times in Mark's Gospel that Jesus does things that only God can do. And we're going to see some more of those. We're going to see that next week even. Walking on the water. But only God can still the storm. Only God can forgive sins. Only God can be a shepherd to his people. Now, I, I hope one of the things we're going to get out of today is to see how the Old and the New Testament are both important. And what I want to do, you know, is to see, um, quite a few years ago, uh, I, I learned something new, which I want to share with you. And it's uh, a word in Mark chapter 6, uh, and it's a colour. Any guesses? There's only one colour, I think, in Mark chapter 6. And that's the colour green in verse 39. And now you think I'm completely off my trolley. How could the word green in Mark chapter 6, 39, have any big earth-shattering importance? Well, the first thing is... That word green doesn't appear in any of the other gospel accounts of this occasion. 
the feeding of the 5,000. All of the Gospels talk about the the feeding of the 5,000. Mark and Matthew also tell us about the feeding of the 4,000. But only on this occasion does Mark say the grass was green. Uh, Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels, um, so he's very careful with the words he uses. Everything is carefully edited down to keep it short, and yet he gives us a detail here that nobody else gives us. The grass was green. Uh, Let me put it to you this way. There are sheep without a shepherd. There is water. They've just come from a boat. They're by the lakeside. And there is green grass, and the people are told to sit down on the green grass. Now, does that remind you of anything else in the Old Testament? Psalm 23. Brilliant. Let's read that. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you see how Mark is painting a picture of Psalm 23. And to me, the the use of the word green is the the giveaway. And and what's Jesus doing? He's saying, he's not using the words that he uses in John's Gospel, which is, I am the good shepherd. But Jesus is acting out Psalm 23. Here are sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus steps forward and he says, sit down on the green grass sit down on the green grass and what does he do what does he do he feeds them how does he feed them he feeds them with bread but what does he do before he feeds them with bread he feeds them with something else he feeds them with the word of God he teaches them many things I don't know how you relate to God one of the ways we relate to God is as our father and there's an amazing doctrine in the Bible that we call it the doctrine of adoption that's all being technical but that's the way that teaches us how God makes us his children when we trust in Jesus We become his sons and daughters and we together become family and brothers and sisters. So one of the ways we relate to God is God as Father. And that's probably the greatest way that we relate to God. 
But we also relate to Jesus as our saviour, the one who rescues us, as our healer, and as our teacher. I don't know, are you prepared to let Jesus be your saviour? I guess so. Who wouldn't want to be saved? Are you prepared for Jesus to be your teacher? There are lots of people who might want to teach you. There are lots of people who assume that they can teach. Um, There are people in the media, there are people who write books. uh, And they have some wonderful ideas. But they're not always themselves taught by Jesus. And so a big challenge for us is, will we, you know, we want Jesus as our saviour, we want Jesus as our older brother, we want God as our father. Do you want Jesus as your teacher? Can you say with Isaiah, well, where God says that my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts? As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We need teaching, and although we like to call ourselves, you know, the lion or the bear or the tiger or the donkey, um, Jesus says we are like sheep without a shepherd, and his response to that is to teach many things. Sheep love to be together. They're gregarious. They, they actually flock together for safety so that when a, an attacker comes, uh, the chances of being taken are reduced because you're with lots of others. It's like uh, sheep in a, a fish in a shoal. Uh, sheep um, also like to follow. So the question for you today is, if you're a sheep, and Jesus seems to think you are, Who are you following? Uh, I hear that sheep will follow almost anything. Uh, They will also follow each other into the slaughterhouse. Will you be a follower of Jesus or will you let somebody else lead you? Will you let Jesus be your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. I don't know if you you look at Psalm 23. um, In your Bibles, the word Lord is usually written in all capital letters. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but that's uh, because that word used in Hebrew there, translated as Lord, is the word Yahweh. Uh, used to be pronounced Jehovah, but we don't actually know how it's pronounced. Yahweh is a good guess. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. And as we were looking at those things in Ezekiel, we would see that it is Yahweh God himself who is the shepherd. That is who Jesus is. In John's Gospel, he is the I am 
I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am is the name that Yahweh gives to himself. So really, my main question for you today is, is the Lord your shepherd? Do you think you're a sheep that needs a shepherd? Or do you prefer to listen to somebody else? Will you have the maker of heaven and earth, the Lord, the I am, Yahweh, as your shepherd? Or will you have somebody else? Will you be a sheep without a shepherd? Or will you run to Jesus? And this has to be the gospel that we take to the world. Uh, It's a gospel that, that says, I am a sheep and I have a shepherd and you can know him too. And so when we preach Jesus to others, we're not preaching ourselves, we're preaching him. We're saying, turn from your own understanding and your, your own ideas about God and yourself and let Jesus teach you. That's why we're, we're even bothering spending this time together now with the Bible open, is because we think it's important that we hear what Jesus is saying and we take it on board. Now, we're going to do one other thing related to bread. Um, I don't know if uh, you could bring the stuff up from the back um, and pass it around. We have uh, some bread. There's two bowls and there's two trays. In Mark chapter 14... Mark chapter 14 uh, we have an account of the last supper and it says as they were eating Jesus took bread and after blessing it broke it and gave it to them and said take this is my body and he took a cup and when he given thanks he gave it to them and they all drank it and he said to to them this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many The theme of bread is huge um, in the Bible. The theme of bread is huge in Mark's Gospel. And we're entering into that now. This might not be the feeding of the 5,000, but this is a feast with Jesus. This is the Lord God who has become the shepherd of his people. And he is feeding us now. As we eat this bread and as we drink this grape juice together we are connecting with what he did for us in John's gospel he says I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life 
for the sheep. And isn't it brilliant that he's given us something as simple and tangible and everyday and mundane as eating bread and drinking juice together. And we are sharing in him. We are feasting on him. We are enjoying him together. And as we eat and as we drink, we are saying, I'm a sheep. I need a shepherd. Jesus is my shepherd. Lord Jesus, I want to follow you all my days. Lord Jesus, I want to feast on you. Father, we do thank you for your son. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came, you lived and you died, and you rose again on high. And that we can celebrate that together. That Jesus, you are the great shepherd of the sheep. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your body was broken and your blood was spilt for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you save completely all who call on you. Um, This wonderful sign on the wall in the King James Bible, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, Again, that's a reference, whoever shall call on the name of Yahweh. It's a quote, Paul is quoting from the Old Testament. (laughs) Whoever calls on the name of Yahweh. And Lord Jesus, we call on your name and say, rescue us. Uh, Thank you for being our shepherd. Thank you for being our saviour. Thank you that through your death and resurrection, we are now adopted into your family. And Father... As we look out of the doors and we see a needy city of sheep without a shepherd and we are tired and we have no resources of our own, we listen to Jesus who says, you give them something to eat. What you've received today from the Lord Jesus is enough for all of the people of Chester. More than (laughs) 5,000. More than 50,000. What you've received today in the Lord Jesus is more than enough. I think it's interesting, isn't it, that he made them sit down in groups of 50s and 100s. We're often a group of 50. Um, That's actually a reference to the time when, I think it's it's when Jethro comes... To Moses and he says make the people divide them up into fifties and hundreds um, so there's nothing wrong with us being only fifty <laughs> what we have here today is enough to feed the city sheep without a shepherd and we may be tired we may want some rest <laughs> we may feel we haven't got money I was was struck again, um, Isaiah chapter 55, and we'll finish with this and then we'll sing one more song. Isaiah chapter 55, this is God speaking, but Jesus takes some of these words. He says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, he who has no money. Disciples didn't have any money. They said it would cost 200 200 days wages to feed this many people. 
Come, he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? They all ate and they were satisfied. Are you satisfied with Jesus? Yes. Let's sing of the Lord our shepherd and of how we're going to put our trust in him.